What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is Unsolved Mayhem. back everybody to another episode of unsolved mayhem and welcome to the new listeners before we get started on today's episode shameless shout out check out our other show speaking of missing persons actually right now if you're currently listening to this you probably found it because of the other show but share it with somebody you know it really helps us out we appreciate it so um we're just gonna hop right in sarah what's our unsolved mystery today this is a very well-known case in the true crime community. It's about a girl named Tara Calico. Never heard of it. Me either. <laughs> Not a clue. Y'all be weird. What you're talking about? I ain't got nothing. Oh my goodness. How do I hang out with these people? Tara Calico was born February 28th, 1969. It's a good year. Her parents were Patty Doyle and David Calico, and they lived in Bellin, New Mexico. I couldn't really find a whole lot of information about her parents, but at some point they split up and Patty married a man named John Doyle. Oh, Doyle. Rules. <laughs> I gotta get it out. Oh, Doyle rules. In 1988, at 19 years old, Tara was a sophomore at the University of New Mexico. She was very much an extrovert, an avid reader, and very physically active. She rode her bike 36 miles every day. Damn. That's a lot of bike riding. Yeah. She worked as a bank teller and was going to school to become either a psychologist or a psychiatrist. So something in that field. Okay. She was described as a motivated person, very organized, kept, like, made to-do lists every day of what she needed to accomplish. Like, she also was very close to her mom and told Patty where and what she was doing all the time. Normally, she would do these bike rides with her mom. But on September 20th, 1988, her mom decided not to go because of an incident that had happened a couple days before where they got followed by a car and it made Patty feel uncomfortable. But she let her she daughter go? She not let her. She's 19. Uh-uh. <laughs> I'll be holding you down. Uh-uh. She tried to convince Tara not to go, but... At least take a different route. Go somewhere she- else. Did the typical teenager thing, like, Mom, you're overreacting, everything is fine, I do this bike ride every day. Yeah, exactly. You're predictable. Yeah. She tried to convince Tara to take Mace with her, but again, Tara said no. All she wanted was to focus on her bike ride. It usually took her two hours to ride the 36 miles, so she was riding, like, I think it was like 17 there, 17 back, something like that. 
and she jokingly told her mom to come find her around noon if she had gotten a flat tire and was not home. Tara also had plans that day to meet her boyfriend at 12.30 to play tennis. And she had classes at like starting at 4.30 that afternoon. She took her mom's bike, which was a neon pink Huffy. Nice. Um, and it had yeah. like yellow, um, like the cables and stuff were like bright neon yellow. Hell yeah. I guess because her bike had a flat tire. That's why she made that joke. Right. She left the house at around 9.30 a.m. She took the same route that she always took, which was on New Mexico State Road 47. All she took with her was her Sony Walkman, headphones, and a Boston cassette tape. I mean, that's a pretty sweet cassette tape. Right. I'm like, nice tunes. (laughs) That's good bike riding tunes. When Tara had not returned by noon, Patty got into her car and drove Highway 47 to look for her. When she saw no sign of her, at first she kind of did like, oh, maybe we missed each other and she's home. Right. So she drove back home, but Tara was not there. Believing something bad had happened to her daughter, she called the Valencia County Sheriff's Department and filed a missing persons report. Officers went to search the highway. They found the front cover of her Walkman. Despite this, though, nothing really happened in Tara's case until June 15th, 1989, because police didn't really have a lot to go on. They have two pieces, like a piece of a Walkman and a cassette tape and some tire track. Yeah. In June, the case took a strange turn. When a woman in Port St. Joe, Florida, which was 1,500 miles from New Mexico. Yeah. They went, she went to a convenience store. When she got out of her car, she saw a white van parked next to her. When she was leaving the store, the van was gone, but there was a Polaroid laying in the spot where the van had been. It was face down on the ground, so she picked it up. In the picture, a teenage girl and a young boy were bound with their hands behind their backs and duct tape over their mouth. The fuck? You can see this picture online. It's a very popular picture in true crime. The picture appeared to be taken in the back of a white van. She immediately took it to the local police. And the media ran hundreds of stories about this photo trying to identify who was in it. Right. These two children. Are you going to look up the photo? Yeah. Then Tara's stepfather, John, was contacted by a friend after he had seen an episode of Current Affairs and believed that the girl in the picture looked like Tara. John and Patty then reached out to the Florida police because they believed that it was Tara in the photo. What the fuck? I want you to, like, take in the photo for a minute. Yeah. Seen this photo before? Mm-hmm. It was not long after this, another family from New Mexico came forward to say they believed the boy in the photo was their son, Michael Henley who had went missing on a camping trip with his dad in the Zuni Mountains in April of 1988. 
Both families met with investigators to look at the photo. Patty was convinced it was her daughter, pointing out a scar on the woman's leg that was identical to a scar Tara had from a car accident. In addition to that, there's a book laying next to her called My Sweet Adrena by V.C. Andrews. Patty said that that was Tara's favorite author. Also on the book, there's on the spine, there's a phone number, but you can't make out the whole phone number. So they, the FBI said it was like a, could be a combination of 300 different numbers and nothing really came of that. Hmm. When the photo was analyzed, it was determined that it had been recently taken, but no one could agree if it was a picture of Tara and Michael. The FBI analysis was inconclusive, so it was sent to Scotland Yard, who said it was definitely her. I was going to say, on the side-by-sides that I was looking at online, it looks just like her. And then the photo was sent to the Los Alamos National Laboratory, and they said it was not her. So now you have three agencies that can't agree. Of course. When investigators spoke to Polaroid about the picture, they said that it had to have been taken after May of 1989 because the film that was used wasn't available until then. At this point, police are now on the lookout for a dirty white to light gray 1954 Ford pickup truck with a white handmade camper shell that was reported to be following Tara and now a white cargo van that was described when the picture was found. And the van had no windows and like a sliding door. Okay. A handmade camper shell. Uh Uh-huh. That has to be easy to find at least semi-rare like that's not common not many people (laughs) i think even back then were making their own camper shells i don't know the 80s was a weird time yes it was (laughs) but you you would think that would still stick out like a sore thumb we were all born then okay it had to be weird for the three of us to come from it the problem investigators were having is that they didn't have a license plate for either of these vehicles. They did set up a uh, roadblock in Florida to like check every white van that came through there because there wasn't a lot of people that lived in Port St. Joe at the time. Mm-hmm. But they found nothing. It's no longer believed that the boy in the f- picture... It- is Michael, because his remains were actually found in 1990. Seven miles from the campsite, he was last seen at with his dad. And police believe he was a victim of the elements after getting lost in the woods. But no one knows who he is. Like, Hmm. who the boy is in the photo. From the FBI's point of view, the photo kind of appears to be a hoax. Their reasons are that the girl's hands do not appear to be tied tightly. Her shoulders are not stressed, which they would be if you're, like, laying on your hands. Your shoulders would be pulled, and hers are, like, very relaxed. It almost 
they almost feel like her hands weren't actually tied. She was just laying on them. Hmm. There is also no redness around their mouths from tape. So the F so to the FBI, they were not wearing this duct tape for an extended period of time because it breaks out your face and makes it all red the gl- from the glue. Whether it is Tara in the photo, no one can agree. Still to this day. Well, I feel like it looks like her. But the, lo- like the boy the looks stressed. Yeah. The he boy looks stressed. But he looks like he's borderline tears. Yeah. The Another big thing that the FBI says, though, is that they're both still healthy. They both look well-fed. And they're both tan. So they've spent at least some time outside. They've spent time outside. They've been fed well. They're yeah, but I mean, what if that was just recently after being abducted and they already looked that way? I don't. Yeah, but it was eight months after Tara was abducted, and it was almost a year since. Well, we know it's not Michael, but we don't. You're right. We don't know when the boy was taken. So it stands to reason that they could have both been taken around the same time and the picture taken and it just wasn't found until. Well, we know the picture had to be taken. It could have only been taken uh, a month before because it was Polaroid. Gotcha. Because the Polaroid company said it had to have been taken sometime after May. And it was found in June. Either way, still to this day, the two... Nobody knows who those two are in the picture. Nobody knows who those two are. Even though a judge declared Tara officially dead in 1998, ruling her death was a homicide, Patty never gave up hope that Tara was alive. And since no one can prove or disprove if Tara was the girl in the photo, the... Calico's decided, well, the Doyles, they were the Doyles now. They decided to move to Florida in 2003 to continue their search. Patty strongly believed Tara was the one in the photo. Unfortunately, Patty's investigation into her daughter's disappearance was cut short when she had a series of strokes and she passed away on May 11, 2006. Which her son says it's because of Tara's disappearance and her investigation into it. That she just couldn't think of anything else. While Patty was alive, though, she did everything she could to find Tara. She organized search parties, sought media media attention from local and national shows, including Oprah, America's Most Wanted, and 48 Hours. Her and John were even deputized so that they could conduct their own investigations. They wow. mailed they mailed out over 200,000 flyers of photos of Tara and con- contacted police stations all around the world. In 2008, investigators announced they no longer believed Tara was the girl in the picture and said they l- learned from witnesses that she was most likely killed on the day of her disappearance. So this is where we're back to 2008. And them coming out and being like... And it Actually, 
was a huge stir because the sheriff at the time was like, I know who killed her. But he wouldn't say. And that was like pretty much the end of his statement. You can- Okay. Okay. And Let's I hold will a press say- conference. Yeah. Yeah. I know who did it. Peace out. That is all. <laughs> Enjoy your day. And I'll say like also something I didn't put in here, but I'm going to say Patty was getting like photos in the mail from actual investigators all the time to try to verify if the body they found was her daughter. So she was spending a lot of her free time looking at photos of unidentified girls across the United States to see if one of them was her kid. That had to be just mentally fucking exhausting. Oh, yeah. It was, I, I don't even know if I could do it. But since she was deputized, she was allowed to see that kind of stuff. And so note to self, if I ever need to, I'm getting deputized. That's what it takes to find my kid if something happened. So like I told you in the beginning, they came out, said, we know who did it, but we're not at liberty to say right now. Mic drop. Right. Then in 2013, a man named Henry Brown made a deathbed confession to police. He said that shortly after Tara's disappearance, he was in the basement of a man named Lawrence Romero Jr. While there, he claimed he saw the body of a young woman wrapped in a tarp and laid inside a makeshift grave. There were two other men there as well, one named Dave Silva and the other he didn't know his name, but said he had red hair. They told Henry the young woman was Tara Calico and that them, along with a fourth guy named Leroy Chavez, were in a truck when they saw her riding her bike. Now, I'm going to give you a warning here if you don't want to hear about sexual assault. Sorry, you can't leave, Samantha. Okay. They told him they were trying to get her attention and accidentally struck her with the truck. So they abducted her. Yeah, that was the story I had heard when I heard about this case. Yeah. They then took her to the gravel pits nearby and took turns sexually assaulting her. Henry claimed that Dave and Leroy and the third man held her down while Lawrence stabbed her to death. Because she threatened to go to the police after what they did. Like, she tried to fight back, told them she was going to the police, and then that's when they decided to kill her. He then went on to say, at first, they hid her body in a nearby bush at the gravel pit. But when people started to look for her, they moved her to the basement, which is where Henry saw her. He said they threatened to kill him if he told police, and now he's on his deathbed, so he doesn't care what happens. Right. The biggest thing that he told police was that the men got away with the murder because Lawrence's dad was the sheriff at the time. Which is what some of the eyewitnesses said. Yes, that they saw the sheriff's son in the passenger seat. Yes. Henry claimed that not only did Lawrence's dad help cover up the crime, but so did the other boy's parents. So all of these boys were around her age. 
He believes they moved Tara's body to a pond near one of the boys' homes and they put her bike um, at the junkyard, which would be impossible to find. Yeah. Another witness came forward and said one of the men confessed to him as well. So now you have quite a few people saying these boys did it. Another issue, Lawrence committed suicide in 1991. Now, his dad tried to say he did not commit suicide, that he died during a game of Russian roulette that went wrong because he did not want his son's legacy to be that he killed himself. You know, okay, even though your honest. son's legacy might be If you're be playing that he Russian roulette. Yeah, then it, like, the, that, that's yeah. not the game went wrong. It's the the game, game was successful. Yeah. The game worked. And your son lost. And that's the game. you don't want your son's legacy to go down as he committed suicide, but his legacy is going down as he possibly killed someone. Right. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Lawrence's dad believes his death though was a um, murder. He thinks that he was sabotaged during the game and even tried to fight for a murder investigation. Oh, whatever. But it didn't happen. Police have done multiple searches in Bella, New Mexico for Tara, but have come up empty. They've searched a lot of ponds and things. Besides the previously mentioned leads, they also got leads that she was murdered and buried, then covered with a concrete slab. Another one said that they had stored her in the freezer first. So I feel like a lot of, they were telling a lot of people. There is a $20,000 reward being offered by the FBI for precise details leading to the identification or location of Tara Calico and information leading to the arrest and conviction of those responsible for her disappearance. Because, again, this is like the case we talked about on missing persons. They have no body, so they can't... Right, just convict somebody. they really believe that Henry is telling the truth because they had multiple witnesses, and why would he come forward with this on his deathbed? Right. With very specific information. Yeah. At the time of her disappearance, she had brown hair with a cowlick at her right temple, hazel eyes. She was between 5'5 five five and f- to 5'7 and weighed 115 to 120. She had a large scar on the back of her right shoulder and the scar on her leg from the car accident. She was last seen riding the neon pink Huffy mountain bike with yellow control cables and sidewalls. She was wearing a white t-shirt with the National Bank of Bellin logo on it in the size medium. She had white shorts with green stripes, white ankle socks, and her tennis shoes were white and turquoise. If you have any information about Tara's case, please call the Valencia County Sheriff's Office at 505-866-2400. All right. Man, there's just so much there, and no one's really sure on any of it. Right. Well, 
if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you let us know. Leave us five stars wherever you're listening. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. And uh, don't forget to share it with someone. Share it with someone you know, family member, coworker, friends, whoever. Um, it really helps us out getting this out to more people. And uh, if you have a case that you want to hear on the show, send that over to our email, unsolvedmayhem at gmail.com. And, uh, oh yeah, Patreon. We're putting episodes out on Patreon every week here. Um, the missing persons and this, those both go up there, uh, ad free. I know there's no ads on this right now, but eventually there will be. And it's ad free there. Plus you're getting bonus episodes every other weekend and our eternal gratitude. Oh, and a shout out on the show. So Make sure you're hopping over there, getting subscribed to that, so you don't miss out on those bonus episodes. Um, anyone final thoughts? Take a buddy on a bike ride. There you go. Don't go alone. Yes. All right. We will see y'all back next week. Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye. <laughs>